To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now at Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 62318. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Born to Talk radio show. I'm so excited. I'm, your, I'm so excited, but that's not my name. My name is Marsha Waiteka, and I'm so delighted to have you join me today. When people say, well, what, are you, what is this all about? This is when I want everybody to know how important I think the three C's are. And what those are for me is conversations plus connections equals community. Uh, and I've always been interested in people, and my common question is usually followed by, what's your story? And my guest today is Lisa Cook. She is the founder of Kids Swim, a developmental swim school, and I want to welcome you to the show today, Lisa. I'm glad you're joining me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. What I want people to know is that Swimming is one of your greatest joys, and after more than 30 years of teaching swimming, you've taken your passion for swimming education and founded Kids Swim, which is a developmental swim school. What exactly does that mean, and why is it such a passion for Lisa? We're going to find out today, because teaching children to swim in the Kids Swim method and to be water safe is the focus of this show. And we can't get this show started, Lisa, without talking about that connection I mentioned at the top of the show. Because both you and mm-hmm. I know Catherine Iannucci, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. I, I met Catherine in the late 1990s when I got a job at the Westchester YMCA. I think I started in 1995, and I think Catherine came in around 96 or 7, and she was my supervisor at the Westchester Y. I was um, mm-hmm. ultimately the membership director. But how do, how do you know Catherine? So I know Catherine through the West Side Y, and we met in, I'm going to say it was maybe 89 or 90. It was right in there. And mm-hmm. I had been uh, hired on as a swim instructor and a lifeguard, and she was my supervisor. And, uh, and then I was promoted to she was aquatics director and I was her assistant aquatics director. So we worked together for quite some years. I was at her wedding and uh, Mm -hmm. I remember when she, uh I remember when she had her boys. So, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of around for that whole life change for her marriage and family. And we've been been in becoming a principal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a new, that's new. Yeah. I know. It's pretty exciting. I do think that it it is fabulous. And I don't see Catherine as often as I'd like, but we do stay in touch. And I don't know if you know that she was on my show um, because of her deep uh, love for the pit bulls, for Angel City pit bulls. And she and Tom were on the show uh, last year because she certainly has a love for those dogs. My goodness. But this show is about you today. 
And what I'd like to hear is just a little bit about your background and really why yeah. swimming is just so important to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, I, you know, I think that when you meet people, they are one of two schools. Either they are the type of person who started swimming, you know, before they could walk and like being in the water is more natural than being on land and all they ever want to do is swim and it just calls to them. And then there's other people who could take it or leave it. And I'm definitely in the school, obviously, where I could be in the water 24 seven without, without any issue. Um, And so I swam my whole life and it was really the one sport that I excelled at as well, you know? And so I was a competitive swimmer for many years. Um, And I just, it was always a joy for me. It was always something that I wanted to be doing. And I started teaching when I was 18 and it just made so much sense. It was so much fun. It didn't feel like work. I really loved it. I loved the kids and it was always a good time. Um, And then, you know, it just kind of remained part incorporated in my job work experience through school and when I went to college and I taught private lessons and group lessons I taught uh, with the YMCA I taught on my own you know just my own clients and things and um, and so it was always something I did it was just really one of those things that you do yeah exactly and and I loved it so much. I mean, I was never somebody that said, oh, I'm done. I, you know, I can't teach another swim lesson. Like I still teach because I still love it and I still learn um, how to even be better than I was. And, and then 17 years ago, so back in 2001, my husband and I, who are both actually high school teachers by, by education and profession, um, we were, we had our first son and we were teaching at a little boarding school up in Maine. And um, Oh, let me interrupt. Yeah. i got to interrupt because I yeah. didn't know this part yeah. about you. So yeah. you, you were living in Maine. I love Maine. I mean, I guess that's why I'm asking. What yeah. part of Maine were you in? Yeah. Where were you? We were, uh-huh. we were um, at the base of Sugarloaf Mountain. Sugarloaf Mountain in Maine is, a, is kind of a premier ski resort for on the east coast um and they do a lot of training there for young kind of olympic hopefuls and stuff and there's a there's a boarding school there for kids who um want to become competitive skiers or snowboarders and so we were teaching at this school up in sugarloaf maine and we were academic staff um but we had our our little one and it was a pretty nice I have to say it was a really nice way to, you know, live with a baby and be super close and always be together. And um, we really enjoyed it. We were house parents. We were um, the girls' dorm parents, <laughs> which was really fun. And That's, were so you we born really in California, yeah. Lisa? Were you, are you a California so, native? I mean, I kind of consider myself to be one because we moved to California in the 70s, but I'm actually Canadian. I'm from Montreal. And my husband oh, is from Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that weather so wasn't a switch for too. you. Well, Being... you know what? It, 
I've been in LA so long that it was really quite a rude awakening. I'm so spoiled, <laughs> but um, it was it was it wasn't that much fun to be honest. And yes. I only grew up West Coast skiing, so East Coast skiing is so much harsher. You know, we're we're all mm-hmm. spoiled out here if you're if you ski Definitely. Mammoth or you know Colorado <laughs> or something. So, Absolutely, um, but. All to say, you know, we lived, we had a, a great little life experience up there, but it's hard to make a lot of money up there. It definitely is not um, a wealthy um, profession up there or community. So we knew we'd be coming back to California in the summer to see my family. And I had a few girlfriends who had little ones like I did. And in course of conversation, you know, they had said, would you want to do swim lessons, you know, for them? And I said, yeah, absolutely, sure. And and then it just kind of really, like, started with just that conversation. And then they told a few of their friends. And then it was really just word of mouth. I didn't do any advertising for the first wow. probably five years. Um, and I slowly brought on other people to work with me, usually girlfriends. Who, or friends of friends who wanted some summer hours. Maybe they were actors and looking for, you know, part-time stuff to supplement. And, and so about five years into it, oh, but for the first three years, we were traveling back and forth from Maine. So I would fly to L.A. Wow. in the summertime and run my business. And my husband was off in the summer, so he was full-time dad. And I would be doing, you know, the heavy lifting. And then, and then during the year, I would be off and he would be teaching. Um, But then after three years, the business really kind of started to grow a little bit. And I thought, okay, you know what? I think it's time to move back to LA now and, and give it a real go. So that's, that's how the business started. That's kind of the nascent stages of it. And it's changed so much over 17 years. I mean, the one thing that remains true is I still teach. I'm still connected to a lot of my clients that I started with 17 years ago. In fact, one of them actually works for me now for a summer job. Mm -hmm. She was one of my very first students for the first year. And now she's in college and she comes home in the summer and she's working for me. So that's pretty fun. That's neat. Maybe you could share with um, our audience what, what your, what Mm -hmm. your mission is for your, for your kids swim. So, I have always believed that swimming is maybe kind of the most magical uh, physical activity you could do. It's, it's so, it's such a departure from every other sport and every other athletic endeavor because it really is the one thing aside from obviously just walking, which everybody, every human can do pretty much, but um, uh but it's really the one thing that anyone can do. Anyone can swim, no matter what your limitation may be or no matter what your, you know, athletic ability or challenge in life or whatever. And I should actually say that for people that may not be able to walk, you know, maybe some people are, are wheelchair bound or something, um, they can still swim too. You know, I have, I've seen people who are paraplegics who can get in and still swim in a pool. So the, the water allows for much more leniency than any other activity I could think of. And it's a very benevolent place. 
And, uh, and my goal in life really is to see as many children learn to swim as possible and learn to swim joyfully and to love it and to feel comfortable being in it, you know? I, so that, I can appreciate that. Really, that yeah. Right. I, I can appreciate. And, you know, it's really interesting because I don't know if you're going to ask me this question or not, so I'll just offer this out there. You talked mm-hmm. about the two mm-hmm. types of people, right? The people mm-hmm. like yourself and then the people mm-hmm. like me. And I suppose oh, where uh-huh. where my level comes in is probably somewhat of of the fear level. And I can recall mm. very distinctly while I was working at the Y how many adults mm-hmm. came to learn yeah. because they were going to take a vacation that involved swimming. And, and mm-hmm. I can remember one lady particularly just overcame that fear. And so hearing you say what you've just said, that anybody can learn mm-hmm. to swim, now I realize we're really mm-hmm. speaking about children, but I'm relating this to myself. Not necessarily. Uh, Not necessarily. Yeah. Really? No, no, no. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, in fact, last summer I worked with a woman who was 70 who didn't know how oh, to no swim, kidding. and she decided at 70, she was in very good shape. She did a lot of yoga. I mean, she was a, she was a healthy, athletic woman, but she did not know yes. how to swim, and I taught her how to swim last summer. I, I never, uh, swimming, it doesn't matter the age. doesn't matter no, the wonderful. age. Any person. Yeah, any person. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 that's great to hear, and for people that are living in other parts of the country, now, maybe mm-hmm. this will also not only encourage them, because we're going to talk about children and how things have changed in the swimming mm-hmm. world, but perhaps there's somebody mm-hmm. listening right now that's about to embark mm-hmm. on a trip. I know I am. I'm going to Alaska in mm. a few weeks, and it's like, really? Are you not going to get oh. in the water? Well, you know, there's, there's probably a, a pool on the ship, Marcia. You might right. want to think about right. it. But, so what have you seen in the swim world over these past 20 years, what are some of the changes that you've noticed? Well, I think, you know, I can tell you that, um, let's say about 20 years ago and prior to that as well, there was a mindset that some of it was facilitated by the American Academy of Pediatrics and I think even the Red Cross organization that swim lessons should really start at age four and up. And they kind of determined that that was the best age to introduce swimming and, and uh, for children to learn. And I understand where that comes from because there is some truth to the fact that children who are four and up, they are, they're a little bit more mature in a lot of facets. Physically, they're stronger. Their core strength is more developed. They're better coordinated. They are most probably in preschool at that point, at least for a good year. So their adaptability to social situations and separation from parents and following instructions and concentrating, um, all of those things are enhanced at that point. So there is some truth to four being a really good age. And I've actually seen children get in the pool at age four who've never had a swim lesson and they just happen to be ready to swim and they start swimming in one or two lessons because they're really ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, you know, there, that was something that 
used to be very prevalent, that mindset of four and up. Nowadays, it's much more of start them as early as you can. And I honestly feel there's no detriment to having babies in the water. It's so good for them. They love it. It feels really good. It's a, there's physical exercise in it for them. Developmentally, it's great for their, for sensory uh, development and, and they love it, especially with mom or dad. It's really a fun bonding time. So there's no downside ever to having a baby in the water But I do feel that the experience for children from infancy, let's say four or five months old, up until age two, the focus should be less on on, um, the getting them swimming and more on building the fundamental skills. And a lot of children Mm -hmm. can learn to swim, I really say beginner, beginner swimming in that stage, but they're not cognizant of safety and they're not able to really put together problem solving skills. So I'm reluctant to point it as uh, point to it as a way of ensuring safety at this age, but you, it is building on very important fundamentals that are, are a huge benefit when the children are two and a half, three, four, five, you know, they, they clearly, yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And, and I think that you have a specific developmental approach to this and Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you what, what, what's occurring to me while you're speaking is when I was a Mm -hmm. kid and I would go into somebody's Mm -hmm. swimming pool, I would say, well, I could swim. But mm-hmm. I think swimming has a sort of a definition. In my mind, what, what my level mm. of swimming was, I was not afraid mm-hmm. to put my face in the water. And mm-hmm. I would push off from the, from the edge of the pool, and I would go as far as I could mm-hmm. go underwater. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. how I swam. I never mm-hmm. learned mm-hmm. how to swim by stroking mm-hmm. and kicking and keeping your face mm-hmm. out of the water and breathing and turning mm-hmm. your head from left to right and stroking. Right. Because I believe that's, that's I mean, maybe I call mm-hmm. what I did swimming, and maybe I don't know if, that's, if that would be a general description of what I did. I, I wasn't afraid mm-hmm. to put my face in the water when I was a child, mm-hmm. so I did do that. Mm-hmm. But honestly... I probably should really up the challenge to myself and see what it would be like to submerge my face in water. Mm-hmm. I can't even mm-hmm. tell you mm-hmm. how many mm-hmm. years that's been that I've done something like that. I've avoided it. I mean, I'll walk in a pool, well, but I mean, as far as to actually submerge myself, I really haven't. Well, that and that brings me to a really important point, and this is something else that I find when I talk to adults the most common um, response when people who are adults say they don't like to swim, they're not comfortable, they don't enjoy it, they, you know, they feel awkward, uh, is because they, they don't know how to breathe. They don't understand how to breathe. They've never learned how to properly breathe in the water. And if you learn to swim from childhood, but you don't learn to breathe, it's a terrible, terrible detriment to a person as they get older. 
because mm-hmm. while in the initial stage of childhood, you can get away with it a little bit, as you age, if swimming is an activity that you're going to be doing for any length of time, it would be like any other activity. You have to breathe through your swimming. And if you don't learn how, it's so difficult to unlearn that. You know, if, you, if yeah. what you do instinctively is hold your breath, it's very, very difficult as an adult to unlearn that <laughs> behavior. So, so that's one of the things that I've seen as a trend has changed over this past 20 years is there are a lot more of what they're called intensive programs where they teach a child to swim in like a week or 10 days or two weeks. They sort of have these finite amount of times where they take the child, they put it in the water, the child in the water, and they kind of get that child swimming in, in let's say, a week, okay? And yet the thing is you can't teach a child to breathe in a week. That's a very complicated process. So it's creating these young children who, as they get older, their strokes are not proficient and their ability to sustain for a long period of time is, is limited because they can't breathe properly. And it, it can be really frustrating to, to see that. Right. I would think it's, well, I, I almost don't feel like it's swimming unless you are really breathing. I, otherwise, you're just right. submerging yourself right. in water. And mm-hmm. I might have thought that mm-hmm. was fun, but in reality, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think mm-hmm. I took swim lessons. Now my children did. I, I mean, I think that as parents, and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. water safety, that whether mm-hmm. you have a pool or not, you don't know that your mm-hmm. child might go to some a friend's home that right. does have a pool, or you're vacationing with your family or whatever, and you right. want to be certain that your children are safe. And I, yeah. I think water safety, whether you're the parent or you're the grandparent, whatever that is, mm-hmm. um, is certainly very, very important. Let's let's talk a little bit about water safety and keeping kids uh, safe around pools because there are actual sure. rules, aren't there, as far as like gates and walls and fences and things like that as yeah. well? Yeah, 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 that's true. So, so the, of course, the main uh, kind of tenets of water safety are uh, as many barriers as possible between the child and getting to the actual pool. So if you, let's say, have a pool at your home, of course your doors, all the doors should have locks that the kids can't necessarily open when they're young, Um, that the pool uh, should be gated and or covered. Some people do both some one or the other. I don't have a preference necessarily. Um, a good gate is great. A good pool cover is great. Um, but if it's, let's say, the gate, you have to make sure it's always closed and locked, and it should have a key that unlocks it, and the key should be completely out of sight from a child's view and grasp. Um, and you have to watch pool gates carefully because uh, small animals can come and chew on the bottom so it gets holes in it or they get frayed, you know, the pool gates get frayed. So it's just something you have to keep an eye on, but a good pool gate is absolutely works. And um, 
and or a cover that the electronic covers that have a either a keypad code or a switch that you can open and close. And those are mechanicals. They open all the way and close all the way. And they're very sturdy and solid. And uh, you can absolutely, those are good too. The thing about the covers that make it a little bit dicier is sometimes the covers can break and they can break while they're stuck open. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to be careful of that, making sure, you know, that they don't break and remain stuck open or even halfway open you have to make sure you close it all the way sometimes people don't quite finish closing it all the way and then another issue that can happen and I've seen it happen and heard stories about it happening from my own clients is if the kids can access the pool cover and they think it's fun to open it uh, if someone lets them open it then they think they can open it whenever they want and I've heard stories of the kids going right out opening the pool cover and just jumping right in the pool because they thought they could. So covers, um, you just have to be really, really strict about the covers, but they're, they are quite good in terms of safety. Um, and aside from things like gates and covers, you should always have a phone. There should always be a phone right by the pool where you can dial 911. There should be some mm. kind of floaty device, something that a child could utilize if they needed to um, in terms of, you know, like a buoy or something like that. There should be one by the pool. But I also would caution parents, and we, I do safety talks at schools and I talk to kids groups because kids helping to try to save other kids their own age can be, can be a very tricky prospect too. And, uh, you know, I usually tell kids, scream your head off or run as fast as you can and get an adult if one happens not to be present. But I always tell kids, don't try to get in and save your friend yourself because it won't work. You'll, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't have that kind of strength. Um, but, uh, but I definitely think that it's important for older kids to know what to do if they have younger brothers and sisters around their own, you know, around their own homes and parents can facilitate that. I think that's water safety is super important. And as kids get older, I highly recommend things like uh, junior lifeguards. You know, once a child, I think they start them at nine or 10, even nothing wrong with going through the junior lifeguard program just to develop better skills, become stronger. Right. I think that, you know, I don't have a pool, but I certainly have mm. friends that have pools. I have, I have friends that have mm-hmm. grandchildren. And mm-hmm. um, the fact that when you said phone, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. that's obvious to people that have children and buy pools, but I, I can see where, you know, we're all so connected to phones. Now there's absolutely no excuse. It's not like, you know, you're going to have <laughs> right. your landline out at the mm-hmm. pool. I mean, we all have phones mm-hmm. and and. Being mm-hmm. um, able to to call for help is certainly um, important, and, mm-hmm. we're, and I know we're we're speaking specifically about um, pool safety, but when you're mm-hmm. um, at a lake or at a river or places like that, you mm-hmm. know you definitely mm-hmm. 
have even a, a larger challenge, right? Especially if you have fearless children that think nothing of just mm-hmm. charging into the water. I can see why right. if that's your lifestyle where you camp or you travel or you do those kinds of things, mm-hmm. you had better mm-hmm. be certain that your children are water safe. And maybe you mm-hmm. could just describe to me what it actually means to be water safe. Is there a definition mm-hmm. for that? Mm-hmm. What would you, how would you define that? So any real swim professional, any real lifeguard or EMT or, or you know, Red Cross certified uh, specialist will tell you that, that no person is actually ever truly water safe. And it's, in fact, hmm. why people say, you know, should never swim alone. And you just don't know. You just don't know what could happen. So, of course, you know, my gosh, I am a lifetime swimmer. I'm 49 years old. I'm very comfortable swimming, and I'm, I feel very fine about going and getting into a pool and swimming on my own for, you know, 30, 45 minutes. But, but you just never know. Uh, and so it is always better to have someone around you. When we're talking about it for, in relationship to children, what I tell parents is this. Prior to age eight, you should assume that your child is not water safe no matter how well they swim. And what it means to be water safe in the context that we're talking about it is that you can act as your own lifeguard. So if you're a child, you have enough experience, confidence, rationale to be able to anticipate a situation that might not be good for you to extricate yourself from a situation that could potentially be harmful and to deal with a situation where you were, let's say, surprised or, um, you know, jolted or pushed in or pushed under or something like that, that could be a situation where you could panic. You have enough experience and you're big enough and strong enough to manage that without panicking because it's the panic that creates a potential drowning situation. So a child who is a beginner and sits on the steps and doesn't want to go in and go under is safer in, in the short term is safer than a child who is overconfident in their swimming and tries to do more than maybe they can. And before they realize that they're in a situation that they can't handle and that child is the one that's going to panic and go under. So I think parents often have the scenario in their head of children kind of stumbling into a pool, no one's around and they fall in and drown. And that's kind of the class drowning scenario. But what's Mm -hmm. really true is more often than not drownings or near drownings occur with children who are already in the pool. They've already been swimming. They're already playing. They're already engaged. Oh. They, there's a bunch of kids around. There's a lot of commotion and activity and distractions. And maybe they're a child who should only be in the shallow end, but they kind of drift into the deep end and can't sustain. Or they're swimming, but they're tired. They get a cramp. They go under. They start swallowing water, and they start panicking Uh, Maybe it's a situation where one child tries to give a ride to another child on his back, and he's a decent swimmer, but he can't handle a child his own age or size, and that child goes under. Like, there's all sorts of ways that a child can be in a situation where he or she could drown that involve kids who are already 
good swimmers. And in fact, wow. I just read this statistic because hmm. I'm doing some research for middle school Drowning for middle schoolers is second only to car accidents as accidental deaths. And that's especially because middle school children, middle school age children, they're older. So parents often assume, and not necessarily negligently either, but assume that their child is confident and has swim skills and they're less supervised. And so middle school age children get into crazy situations and it can result in drowning uh, just as if they were a beginner who didn't even know how to swim. So wow, I think, I think the key really is don't try to rush to label your child as water safe too early. And one of the truths about intensive swim programs is there's a, there is a desire to see, visually see your child swimming independently. And that visual is what parents grasp onto in their mind to help bring down their anxiety of, okay, if my child fell in, she'd be okay. But it's a, it's a premature, mm-hmm. it's a premature uh, label. You, you see your child mm-hmm. swimming, so you think, okay, they're okay now. But in truth, they're probably no more safe in a lot of experiences than they would be if they weren't swimming at all because as a parent, it's our job to be vigilant for our children. And if we think our children are more okay than they are, but we don't know that they're not okay, it relaxes the level of vigilance. So we get less vigilant. And for as the parent, it's really our job to keep our children safe as long as possible in, in pools. In water. I, that's, does that make that's sense? Terrific, it does, and it's really good advice. Okay, good. I, I mean, I hadn't really ever thought about that the way you've just described mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. but it, it really does make sense. When mm-hmm. I when I remember swimming back when I was a child, okay, I don't mm-hmm, know if this mm-hmm. is a wife's tale, an old wives' tale, mm-hmm. or if this is actually something that is would be adhered to today. But what I can mm-hmm. remember was. Okay, so you've just had lunch. You can't go in the pool now because if you go in the pool after you eat, you're <laughs> right, going to get cramps right. and you're going to, you know, die and drown or whatever. <laughs> right, is, is right. There any, that's a, that's is there a any wise fact behind yeah. that? It is There's, a wise You tale. know what? It, it, it is. I mean, here's the thing. It isn't as comfortable to swim right after you've eaten. It, it isn't physically, it doesn't feel as good. The one thing you should avoid right before you go swimming is dairy. You can't, you don't really want kids eating dairy because dairy takes longer to digest. And if a child Mm. is going to throw up in the water from anything, it's going to be dairy. Like, you know, have some fruit, have some crackers. uh, That's okay. You know, a little carbohydrate snack is all right. But if you have milk or cheese or ice cream or anything like that, it, it takes longer to digest. And if the child swallows some water accidentally, uh, they, can, they can just throw up dairy all over the place. So that's the one thing I tell parents is don't eat the dairy, oh, that's, you know. But, there you go. Yeah. Another, another yeah. factoid. Um, I love yeah. that. That's, that's why I, I enjoy doing this show so often, so much, because so often I learn things that I just didn't know. And I'm assuming that <laughs> the same could be said for my yeah. listeners. 
when you think okay. about the benef- benefits of swimming, you've been swimming, yeah. I think you said, you know, before you were walking. Um, what what mm. would you mm-hmm. say, what are the benefits? What what would Why should somebody find the benefits of swimming so important? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, from, from the young age of childhood, it certainly enhances every other aspect of development, sensory, communication, motor skills. Um, it's wonderful for children who may have some physical delays uh, or motor coordination issues, um, children with special needs. It's wonderful for, I mean, it's really good for all children. There's this across the board, but I'm saying it's, it is, and such an inclusive environment for any child, and it enhances any other form of development that goes on. Um, so, so from that aspect, it's wonderful. As children get older, there's so much coordination involved in, all, in facilitating strokes that it really hits on a lot of different cognitive um, perspectives that are required to be a good swimmer. I mean, the coordination of thinking about the strokes and the breathing and positioning and you're using both sides of your body at the same time in different ways, it's really complicated and nuanced. And it's terrific to help balance strength, endurance, core strength. Um, It also doesn't put any stress on growing bones and joints. So for children that are involved with other sports, it's a great addition, a great enhancement to other sports because it allows for terrific interval training without putting more stress on the child's body. Like so, knees I mean, and shoulders and, and, and things like, like that. Exactly, exactly. And then mm-hmm. through life, uh, swimming is, I mean, it is the sport for longevity. And in fact, I should have gotten this stat, the quote on this, but there was something I read in maybe it was AARP magazine or something like that, but that a let's say a 70-year-old person who swims every day, let's say consistently, has the maybe by life insurance standards has the um, kind of similar. Uh, hmm, I'm trying to think of what the word is, but it's like they match up against, well, just that their health at, in the, in mm-hmm. the 70s, if they're constant swimmers, could be matched to somebody in their, in their late 30s or early 40s who is only a moderate exerciser. So it, it does incredible things for longevity as well. And oftentimes you can even get better life insurance rates if you are, if you are a uh, lifetime swimmer. As you get older, wow, that, isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. We we've yeah. talked about all ages. We've talked about the fact that yes, you could teach somebody my age to swim with my mm-hmm. with the desire that I want to, because clearly that would have to be there. Uh, I mean, I'd have to mm-hmm. really give in to the fear and say sure. I can do this because you're going to make me feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But when we talk about infants, you know what what, what occurred to me back when um, I was having children and a little bit afterwards, women were starting to have these birthing centers where they actually mm-hmm. delivered their children in water. I don't know that they still mm-hmm. do that today, but mm-hmm. I know yeah, that yeah, that it's was popular. not. Is this, does that still happen even today? 
Oh, yeah. Where, oh, yeah, where, yeah, where yeah, they're yeah. having birthing um, mm-hmm. sense. So, you know, you think about if you're that mom and dad that's just delivered your beautiful baby boy or girl and the first mm-hmm, environment mm-hmm. they have, it, well, it's their first environment mm-hmm. outside the womb because I guess they've been in water the whole time, really, um, mm-hmm. is to be in a pool. I wonder if that mm-hmm. how that translates into um, desiring to swim um, because I'm wondering, you know, if infants can really, if they can actually learn to swim. You know, it does. Can it? Can can they learn to swim? So again, it kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier. I mean, an infant can absolutely swim. Um, it's just kind of a modified, it looks like they're sort of floating and kicking in the water. They can, they, they physically can. I've seen babies swim. Um, I've worked with babies who swim. And that said, it's really about keeping that, um, keeping them exposed to the activity of swimming and continuing to keep them swimming because they don't, they're not completely cognizant of what they're doing. They wouldn't really know how to save themselves at that point. So it's more about, I don't even, it's swimming. They are, they can be independent for a couple of seconds in the water, mm-hmm. but do what I call it real swimming. I don't know, you know, I mean, it's, by yeah. definition, I'm not sure. It's it's very <laughs> rudimentary. So, yeah, that, but that's, I've seen that's it. interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yes. You you had mentioned floaties earlier when you were talking about safety, about the phone, and having mm-hmm. something like that. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I can remember at the Y, um, mm-hmm. I don't think we were we ever allowed floaties in the pool. Um, Mm-hmm. Did, did you yeah. did, did you did you at Westside allow floaties in the pool at all? You know, I when I, I first started, to, they did. When we first, when I mm-hmm. was teaching at Westside back in the day, they had uh, the bubble. It was like a you strapped it oh. around the waist, and it had a thing on the back. It was like a looked like a football, really. It looked like a, a blow up football uh, with a kind of fabric over it. You would, you know, at the start of the season, everybody got their blown up football <laughs> and you would let the air out as you were as they were progressing you would kind of oh, strategically yes. start to let the air out so yeah so they used to do that I don't I, I don't think they do it anymore um, and you know I don't recommend ever using floaties for swim lessons of course and I'm not a huge fan of using floaties recreationally Unless one of two things is going on, unless you are in an environment with your child where there's a lot of distractions, like let's say you're at a barbecue with a bunch of people, a pool party, on vacation, at a hotel, at a new environment, definitely have them in a floaty, a vest, um, absolutely, one they can't get out of. And or if you are in the pool with more than one of your children, if you have an infant and you have a toddler, you know, if you have an infant, Mm -hmm. you have a toddler, maybe you have a five-year-old, if you are really the only parent in the pool with your kids and you want to take them in swimming, definitely just put it on and, and be conservative because 
safe is just the way to go. But if it's just you and your child in the pool, just the two of you, and you just want to get in and play with them, try to keep it off. Try not to have it out because you want them to get as much experience in the pool without any kind of flotation device. That makes sense. It, mm-hmm. that, that does make sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. is, is there a right or a wrong way to learn to swim? You've been in this business for so long. And I'm not asking mm-hmm, you to criticize mm-hmm. somebody that maybe does things yeah, differently than yeah. you do. But sure. if, do you feel like that there's there are there's certain um, approaches, mm-hmm. certain steps? You start with this, you go to that. You know, is there is there a fundamental yeah. way that you developmentally um, teach children to swim? Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I do believe that breathing has to be incorporated right from the beginning. I really do. And in the, in the very beginning stages, it's basically you just say the word bubbles about a million times in the course of a lesson. Like I, it's probably the word I've said more than any other word in the English language because you are constantly having to remind young children to blow out. But what it does ultimately is you have children who, by the time they're three, four, or five years old, they're swimming and they're breathing. So we don't have to deal with any of that breath-holding business. Um, so I do think from the beginning, breathing should be incorporated, getting their face in the water comfortably, uh, and, and learning to swim in proper position also I think is very important. I don't recommend teaching dog paddle or I call it kind of the scramble, which is that sort of Hmm. kind of frantic, panicked swim to get a kid to the side with their head up. I think children should learn to swim in prone position. Um, It's better for their body, for their neck, for their back. And they can, children who are a little bit more uh, advanced in age, like four years old, have more neck and back strength so they can pick their own head up to take a breath. But I typically prefer teaching the rolling method so that they roll onto their back and rest for a few oh. seconds. It's a safety technique as well. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of schools actually follow that formula now. It's pretty common to teach the rolling method. And and it's an excellent precursor to side breathing. It's a very smooth transition from rolling onto your back to turning to side breathing. So, um, yeah. You you mentioned I'm so, I you know I'm I am reflecting and I'm listening to what you're saying, and you mm-hmm. just you just pulled another memory out of my mind, and I'm sure that this is something mm-hmm. that happens in people's homes when you talked about bubbles. Isn't that what we mm-hmm. would say with our kids when we started giving them baths and they're in a bathtub? Mm-hmm. And isn't that mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. first places children learned sure. to do bubbles? I've forgotten that. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's such a benevolent word, and kids, you know, they really associate it with things like summer and, you know, those the things of packages Mm -hmm. of bubbles where they blow, you know, through the through the little stick and blow the bubbles. I mean, it's it's very much a a, has a benevolent mindset to it for kids, but it's um, it's it is the single most important skill in teaching swimming. I mean, it really, to my mind, it's above and beyond all other skills is the ability to breathe in the water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone, what would you recommend to say a parent 
that has had mm-hmm. a child that's had some kind of traumatic experience. They've been pushed into the pool. They've something mm-hmm. something traumatic has happened. What? what how do you help that mm-hmm. parent um, have their child overcome mm-hmm. something like that? Well, you know, I I try to tell parents um, if this is, let's say, it hasn't happened yet. I try to tell parents ahead of ahead of time. Don't, you know, if if you have to, had to pull your child out from under the water, it's a very scary experience for them and for you. But I do recommend trying to downplay it as much as possible. If the child is okay, like if they're conscious and they were startled and only under for a second or two, they know they went under, but it's kind of over quickly. I do say, you know, don't, call it in in company that they could hear you like don't talk to other adults and say oh he almost drowned um, oh gosh you you kind of just want to say you went under the water it was really scary for a second mommy came and got you or daddy came and got you and pulled you right up you you were you know you did such a great job keeping yourself up and we're going to keep practicing our swimming so we get better and better at it you want to kind of just not gloss it over, but you do want to redirect so that it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a really negative experience. If it did happen, and we're talking about something that already occurred, the child was traumatized, then then you do have to treat that child with a lot of, you know, care and caution, and you want to make sure they feel super safe and super comfortable, and you want to give them enough time to reinvest in the experience in a way that feels safe for them. Eventually they'll get over it. Eventually with a good swimming lesson experience, they will get past it. Um, And it's better not to try to hang on to it too much because they'll feed off of their parents' energy or their parents' language or whatever. But, you know, it does happen. Children do have scary life experiences. And with swimming especially, you don't want that to become what they hold on to. You want them to overcome that and get past it so that they feel safe again. I bet. Yeah, I think that's excellent advice. I'm Mm -hmm, thinking about mm -hmm. um, people that don't have pools, what do you mm-hmm, recommend mm-hmm. to families who don't have pools? What would be, because because let me inter- let me interrupt my own question right here because mm-hmm. I think this would mm-hmm. be really important. I don't want this to get away from us. For those people mm-hmm. that are living that are localized in the Los Angeles area or thereabouts, I don't know how far mm-hmm. you travel with your business. Why don't you let our mm-hmm. listeners know how they can learn more about your program? You do have a website that's an exceptionally cool website. Would you like to tell people how they can find you? Sure, of course. So our website is kidswim.org, kidswim.org. And um, we've been in business 17 years now. And we also, um, you know, if you're not in the area but are interested, we have a lot of articles on the website, a lot of information. And we do a really comprehensive newsletter that has, tips on water safety and what you to do if you go on vacation and um, how to handle difficult situations and what to do if the child regresses during lessons or behavior issues. Like we really cover a lot of topics. 
So you can always sign up just to receive the newsletter for more information and resources. Um, but we do have locations throughout the L.A. area, and we can come to people who do have their own homes. Um, but if you are somebody that doesn't, isn't, let's say, close to where we service, um, you don't have your own pool, I, I would say that, of course, places like the YMCA, I'm still such a fan of. Um, yes. Definitely take advantage. Take advantage of their, of their programs. I do like private lessons for children ages two to five. I think it's a, if you can structure it that way, it is the best option uh, because that way your child really gets full focused attention for the time that he or she is having the lesson. And it's just a heightened level of safety because the instructor's eyes are only on that one child and every child learns differently. And so if you have it even split between two children, you're catering to one child more than you're catering to another. It's just, that's how it happens. So for children who are beginners and really need that time to get into it, I think private lessons are great that way. As children are older, Mm -hmm. I think it's fine Mm -hmm. to have small groups uh, can be really fun for them. But from the two to five age range, uh, I really like the private lesson model. I think it's it's very successful. I'm I'm thinking back to the to the old days when one of the most mm. popular swim classes that we offered at the Westchester Y was parent child mm-hmm. swim, and I know oh, Catherine's yeah. oh, been yeah, teaching yeah. it forever. Oh yeah, and really, I used to teach that class the, at the Westside oh, Y. Yes, the the there'd be at like, Westchester there'd be like we had. 10, families in it huge huge oh yes and oftentimes it was the dad and the child which was really a beautiful Mm -hmm. bonding moment Mm -hmm. and it was just I don't know it was one of the first things that parents did with their children at the Y because they started them very young and yeah just being in that warm water just singing just holding just Mm -hmm. doing all of that what a wonderful um entree into into being in the water so whether you live in los angeles you live in the middle of the country or you are you're from maine you know um there are ymcas that can certainly provide that kind of opportunity i just i just think that that's terrific i know at the y um we always Mm -hmm. had chlorine pools i don't know if that turned Mm -hmm. into i think you guys at westside had something called bromine is that right or something that sounded a word that was similar to that. I don't. Maybe I've got I that word wrong. I can't remember now. Yeah. I think at the time that I worked there, it was it was a chlorine pool. There, you know, if we're talking about pools that are uh, at home, you know, home use uh-huh. pools, then then it's not that much of a difference. I mean, saline pools, you still do have to use chlorine uh, to shock treatment the pool. It's you know, saline pools on their own can't get rid of the bacteria the way that good old-fashioned chlorine does. And chlorinated pools for home use, we're talking about much, much lower levels of chlorine as well than we would be if we're Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, a a multi-use pool. So I'm, I don't, I don't have any issues with chlorine pools. Um, Although saline sounds cleaner, you know what I mean? It sounds nicer. It's really not that different. To be honest, no kidding. You still do have to do you use have, chlorine in the saltwater pool. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know that. Do you have a 
mm-hmm. um, an ideal water temperature that you think the pool should be maintained? Well, if you're talking about pools that are going to be specifically for teaching young children, then between 90 and 92 is actually ideal. You, want, you do want okay. it warmer than not. But mm-hmm. if, if you are talking about a pool that is going to be multi-use, you can't keep it that warm because people can't swim. You can't have people doing laps. So typically I think they keep it around 85, 86 which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's a little on the chilly side for young ones, but they can, they can manage. It's just not as comfortable, that's all. Um, right. But, yeah. I, rem- yeah. I do remember that the warm water pool at Westchester, that was the temperature we kept it because that pool was also mm-hmm. used for our, our seniors that wanted to be in a water. It was right. a, it was a shallow too. pool. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that that worked really well at the Y for us in that mm-hmm. regard. I know we had talked mm-hmm. about May being Drowning Prevention Month, and I think you've given us some really good mm-hmm. tips. I'd like to see more coverage of this, mm-hmm. frankly, on the news. I'd like to see mm-hmm. people being really aware because some are really um, vacationing time. It really is just around the corner, and I think mm-hmm. that you gave some tremendously helpful tips about, you know, just, phones and covers and gates and things like that. So I mm-hmm, hope that people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. took note of that. If you were, um, a, say, a parent is going to have a pool party for, for a mm-hmm. birthday party, the, the kids are turning mm-hmm. seven years old, six years old, whatever, mm-hmm. do you have any mm-hmm. tips for what you would say to parents that are, that are coming with their, for mm-hmm. the purpose of mm-hmm. a pool party? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I would say, first of all, don't ever have a drop-off pool party. Definitely have one parent that has to be present. I would say that you absolutely should hire a lifeguard for the party. And if you're having more than 15 children, you might even want to consider two, unless the kids are a lot older. But I would say you definitely want to have two lifeguards if you're having more than 15 children. And I think it's also great to set up a side diversion outside the pool, like a slip and slide or a They have like a bouncy water slide or something like that because, one, there might be children who don't really want to go in the pool, so it would be fun to have an alternate activity that feels water-related. Also, it can help keep the pool itself from getting too crowded if you have kind of an alternate diversion from the pool itself. And I would also say that – be strict about the pool rules. Bees don't allow jumping from off the jacuzzi. You know, don't allow large rafts in the pool or things that could make it more difficult for the lifeguard to do their job. Like, you know, you, can, you are in charge and you want to make sure everybody is safe. So whatever rules you establish, make sure the lifeguard knows what they are and that they can implement those rules for you. Gosh. This this is all such such important such important information and Lisa I want to thank I'm you so I know that yeah. you have a very sure. busy life and oh, I think this information is real important for parents and grandparents to be familiar with mm-hmm. um, just just some of the things that you've just suggested I think will really help parents be prepared as summer approaches. But swimming isn't just a summer event. And I realize that people that love swimming like you do don't just say, well, I only swim in the summer. Because in reality, 
you swim constantly, mm-hmm. and your goal is for these children, like your student, that mm-hmm. come, has now come back to you years later because mm-hmm. they still love swimming that much. That must be incredibly mm-hmm. gratifying. And I just want to mm-hmm. thank you so much for, for joining mm-hmm. me. And once again, if pleasure. people want to learn more, they can go to kidswim.org. Mm-hmm. And like you said, sign mm-hmm. up for your newsletter and things like that. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm delighted that Catherine suggested that I contact you. So thank you, Catherine. Oh. And I want to just I'm just so glad you're with me today. Well, it was really a pleasure. I love speaking with you, Marcia, and uh, and I, I encourage swimming lessons for you too. Let's maybe let's oh, make that a goal. Yeah. Thank you. I know how to find you. <laughs> so thank okay, you once yes, again, you Lisa. Yes. And everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I'll look forward to having you join me again next week for Born to Talk because that's what I was born to do. So thank you, everybody, for joining me today. A matchup. And what a team, Mike. Metro PCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to Metro PCS and get a 32 gig iPhone SE for $0. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on a T Mobile network or active on Metro PCS in the past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions.